I'm still getting my head on straight. It's been a long holiday week, I feel like. Mm. Uh, as yeah. we're recording this, it's uh, the, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. So, mm-hmm. uh, Cheers, boys. A lot of returning this... back to normalcy this week for people who have been off work, perhaps, or school, or whatever you have it. Yeah. Um, and I don't think any of us are ready for that. Um, I'm certainly not. No. I mean, back to regular I'm... work after like Easing a weird week. Weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially one of those weeks where uh, I didn't have the whole week off. I had, like, the, the last half of it off. So uh, there's, like, a weird half-work situation where you're there, but you're not there mentally. Yeah. So you know what I David, mean? David, did you get to have Thanksgiving off? I did. Thanksgiving off. Worked Black Friday, though, which is, uh, I think that that's the that's the right day to work because it's not really a holiday, but a lot of people ask for it off for some reason. So uh, you come in, everything's chilled. There's usually a lot of, where I work, if there's a lot of football games, it means you don't have as much work to do. So it uh, worked out to be a pretty good day. Um, That's nice. Didn't have any issues with Thanksgiving. We celebrated uh, celebrated on Sunday with my, my wife's family and then on Thanksgiving Day with my family. So all worked out great there. Nice. Mm-hmm. We had 15 people over at my parents' house mm-hmm. with an oven that didn't work mm-hmm. most of Thanksgiving. So that oh, was no. exciting. It was wonderful, but, uh, you know, a little bit of chaos, but that's what you expect on Thanksgiving. It's so, a little bit of family chaos in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. So it was a kind of an air fryer Christmas for you guys. It was. And you know what? Everything was delicious. And, and thankfully, we do a thing where, like, most of us make sides. So it's like a potluck kind of a thing. You're not relying on one person to make something. So it's okay that the oven wasn't necessarily working. And my dad deep fries the turkey. So we don't need an oven for that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. My family uh, actually did steaks this year instead of turkey, which oh, I've advocated for a long time to do something non-traditional because, honestly, I just don't like turkey that much. People love turkey, mm. but I'm not that big on turkey. And we do turkey at Thanksgiving and then at I Christmas. And I just asked, can we do something different at one of them? So this year, if we grilled some steaks, it was good. I advocate for a Christmas brisket because that's what we do. Mm. Not a bad idea. Josh? Um, yeah, no, we do a pretty normal Thanksgiving and Christmas turkey, but for both, pretty much. Um, sometimes there's a second option. This year we had a, a small selection of ham, but I'm not a ham person. Um, I don't really care for the ham part. Yeah. So. Ham when it's dry. I've heard many awful. people call you a ham before. No. What I do want to want to ask, though, is did, did you guys have any fun or unique desserts that's my favorite part mm. of a holiday <laughs> dinner is the holiday dessert not really not really uh just the uh, normal for you guys or what uh, we had brownies i don't know if a lot of people do okay. brownies for thanksgiving um nikki made brownies and then we bought a bunch of uh seinfeld-esque black and white cookies and uh-huh. it i told my wife as i was holding them, i said get ready to hear me my dad and my brother all say uh, look to the cookie, Elaine, you know, like 800 times because it's going to happen. Yeah, and it did. I was right. Over. Look to the cookie. We said it. Look to the cookie. Countless times. Uh, they were delicious, though. I got to say I was actually genuinely surprised by how good that cookie was. We had, um, you know, my, my dad makes or my grandpa makes a custard pie, like an egg custard pie. Um, and then we made like a pumpkin Swiss roll, which is just mm. basically a pumpkin pie, just with a cream cheese swirl. Um you know, so nothing too crazy. We had uh, uh, some baklava, 
mm. which was yummy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have some stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, everything's pretty traditional. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we had mostly the, the traditional apple pie, pumpkin pie, stuff like that. But this year we also had a, uh, 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 like a, it's like a brick of smoked cream cheese. Hmm. And you, you, you dip a, a graham cracker in it. There's a, well, there was a sweet version and a salty version. You had a graham cracker for the sweet and like a hmm. club cracker, whatever, for the salty. It was pretty good. It was I've like dessert had, fondue. Never had smoked green cheese or cream cheese before. It wasn't fondue because it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a liquid consistency. It was still oh. like a brick of cheese that you dipped from. It was just like, hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a chef or cook <laughs> of any sort. I don't know how I don't know how cheese doesn't melt but gets hot. <laughs> you explain that sorcery. It's Thanksgiving magic, uh, but yeah, uh, I love I love the dessert parts of Thanksgiving. So I'm glad everybody had had good ones. Yeah. Let's talk about the next big holiday coming up though, which is the kickoff of a brand new month for us here on mm-hmm. so many sequels. The highly anticipated Damn. annual month oh. of so many Santas is here. That's right. Everyone's favorite. We're talking My about... favorite. Yeah. Your favorite. Yeah. A treat and gift to us all. Mm-hmm. To everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about Christmas movies all month long. We've been doing it for years now. You can go back to so many sequels.com or in your podcast app. Scroll back to December of basically the last several years, and you'll find uh, our selection of Christmas movies. We actually went through them last week on the show. If you listen to our Christmas reveal episode, mm-hmm. we. Uh, <laughs> we put that we put that full list out and i think we have a letterbox list of it don't we we do Somewhere we do you can follow me on letterbox <laughs> and find it there and i need to clone it over to the so many sequels uh account yes so we are doing that um but just to get the the, the season started before we start talking about our pick of the week uh i know you have started getting into the christmas movie spirit garrett what have you been watching aside from our pick the week you know it's been an interesting journey because yeah i started uh putting up the christmas tree and you know I, my goal was to not watch it like a christmas movie i wanted to watch something that was like thanksgiving themed and and but i didn't want to watch like lane strange and automobiles or or like think about knives out i didn't want to watch that in the background that's a movie i want to sit down and watch so i ended up just watching some christmas movies and i started with ones that you don't have to really like pay too much attention to uh, I watched a Medea Christmas, which highly, I found that last year, super funny. Oh my gosh, it's so unexpectedly funny, and uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's got a nice little Christmas message. It's got just a little bit of Larry the Cable Guy, which is really all you need. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was really funny. And then I found, um, I think it was it came out last year, but it was called Christmas with the Campbells. And it has Brittany Snow and Alex Moffat and Justin Long. And it essentially is a satire of most of these like Netflix or Hallmark mm-hmm. Christmas movies. And it's one of those where it's like the satire is really I don't know, it it's uh it's not subtle. So there are moments where you like forget and you think, man, this is bad oh no, they're making fun of it. <laughs> and so it's it was a really weird experience, but um Kind of enjoyable. I wouldn't necessarily revisit it or recommend it. Uh, and then I watched Violent Night. Josh, you remember Violent Night with I David do. Harbour? I, David, do. I don't remember if you've seen it, but this Goofy. would not necessarily be 
one of your Christmas movies, but man, it is it's silly, wonderfully fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, no we, Christmas had, uh, theme. we watched you Christmas know, Vacation. Christmas theme. I watched The Family Stone, which mm. is one that I had never seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and Dermot Mulroney. A uh, whole bunch of people. Um, it was an interesting watch, too. Dermot so, Mulroney, not Dylan McDermott. I've been all over the place. Uh, you know, that's a fun game. I'm pretty sure this was Dermot Mulroney. It's a fun game. <laughs> it's the only reason I really know either of their names. I, know. <laughs> I have to be honest with you. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, that's a pretty that's a pretty heavy intro to the month. You went hard. I know I, know I did. I'm trying. List. I didn't watch as many horror movies, so I'm trying to play catch up. That's true. That's true. Um, I watched one new Christmas movie that's out in theaters right now. It's called The Holdovers. It's from uh, director Alexander Payne and stars Paul Giamatti as a professor at like a, an all boys school type situation, um, and essentially he's put in charge of. Watching the holdovers over Christmas break, which are the six to seven students that don't get to go home for the holidays. They have to stay behind at school, and he is the teacher that will have to watch them. And um, essentially, he's your run-of-the-mill, curmudgeonly, old, lonely, hard-ass teacher who wants them to spend their whole break studying. More studying. You have to be better. And, And not having any Christmas fun. So it's uh, it's one of those types of movies where you get to see them try to uh, get some Christmas magic into him and, mm-hmm. and Paul Giamatti trying to get them to do some of their schoolwork. So, you know, it's a real, it's a nice feel-good movie. I would recommend it yeah, for the holiday sounds, season. That sounds great. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty good. He's always good. Exactly. He's, he's one of the greats for a reason, and I think he's really kind of understated in this uh, He's just really good. You just believe him instantly that he is this guy. Do you have a do Oscar you have, Oscar worthy movie? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. That? Maybe. Do you, do you have a rating for us, Josh? Um. Yeah, I think it's a four star movie for me. Hmm. That's I, good. I, you know, it's still fresh on my mind, so it needs. I need to sit with it. I actually consider. I've been considering seeing, going to see it again, uh, just because I enjoyed it that much. So maybe it's good. It's rare fire air to do that. Yeah, yeah. At least for me. And and we were talking about, I believe, in our last episode about how, uh, you know, we couldn't really think of a lot of brand new Christmas movies coming out, and I didn't even really recognize it as a Christmas movie till I saw it, and I, until it started, and I was like, oh, okay. So it's kind of subtle at that, but it it Very counts. Cool. Yeah. Um, and with that, let's get into so many Santas. First, let me explain what we're doing this month. Right. Each of us have picked a movie. And we are going to talk about one a week. Uh, then we are going to do a fan pick at the end of the month uh, on Christmas. I believe that's where it times present. out for. Yeah. So this week we're doing my pick, which is The Grinch. But um, we need to get your suggestions before the month ends so that mm-hmm. we know what we're going to do. So uh, we're going to put a call out to you guys, the viewers and listeners of the show, to send us some suggestions for Christmas holiday related adjacent whatever whatever floats your boat in the holiday time we want to know what your suggestion is so that we can watch it and talk about it on the show uh, it could be a it could be a holiday classic it could be maybe something no one's ever heard of before uh, or maybe just something that is special to you for some reason i don't know mm-hmm. you we would love to hear why but you can uh, let us know on our social media pages uh so many sequels pod on instagram uh, and on threads and so many sequels on facebook 
you can also leave us a comment in the uh, section or the comment section of our YouTube channel uh, on this video or any of the other Christmas ones. So go do that. Let us know. Uh, we're also going to put some polls up with some of the uh, most popular Christmas movies from Letterboxd. Uh, and we will pick from your guys' votes which one we're going to do last. Yeah. Yes, definitely. As long as, you know, hey, the only rule is it has to be, you know, Christmassy or, you know, of the Christmas season or something like that, ideally. Right. We've had yeah. a great debate over the years about Christmas movie versus Christmas True. themed. We're going to have a little bit of both this year, I think. Um, uh, movies that are clearly Christmas movies. Movies that uh, are they? Are they not? Um, <clears throat> I have a feeling if we put it to the fans, I know what they're going to go with. But uh, it's up to you guys. Let us know what you want. Meanwhile, Josh, we have a special. We've we've reached a special milestone here. You're right. You're right. I do again want to remind you guys to go uh, leave your suggestion for what Christmas movie we should watch on our YouTube. Uh, channel on of our videos because we have uh, reached a 100 subscriber milestone on that page, which is exciting yeah. because this show uh, didn't start on YouTube. Um, it really wasn't a focus for us at all until pretty recently. So it's exciting to see it growing there. Uh, we've mm -hmm. been doing this as a podcast for uh, like six years now, but we've only been actively doing videos um, for like three and maybe decent videos for one. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, I think the we're trying to do really better at that. Forced us on that, didn't it? It did. It did. Well, yeah, the pandemic forced us to do fully remote, and then mm -hmm. it's just worked ever since. So, uh, but we're excited to have 100 subscribers on that YouTube channel now. So, if you haven't subscribed yet, go do it. Go join yes. the club, and you can get our podcasts uh, on your phone or TV or wherever you watch YouTube. Help us reach our mm -hmm. goal of 110 by the end of the year. We just need 10? 10 more. less than the days of Christmas. I know. It's less than the days of Christmas. 10. 12 then. Let's make it 12, day, 12 days of Christmas, right? Eight, eight yeah. nights of Hanukkah. Mm. So, you know, just 12 more subscribers. That's all we need. I mean, if, mm -hmm. uh, if everybody who watches this video subscribes and they're not already a subscriber, then great. If you are a subscriber, don't accidentally click unsubscribe. Just keep, no, just be keep being a subscriber. Exactly. And we'll be fine. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Uh, all right, uh, I think that's enough of the housekeeping for today, so let's go ahead and get into uh, the first So Many Santas of the month. We're talking about my pick, which is 2000's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. This is, of course, the iconic live-action uh, adaptation of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the beloved Dr. Seuss book and TV special. Uh, people love both of those. Uh, this movie is directed yes. by Ron Howard, has a cast including Jim Carrey, Jeffrey Tambor, Christine Baranski, Molly Shannon, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, a very young Bryce Dallas Howard, um, and Taylor Momsen making her debut as Cindy Lou Who. Letterboxd says about this movie, Inside a snowflake exists the magical land of Whoville. In Whoville live the Whos, an almost mutated sort of munchkin-like people. That's a weird sentence. <laughs> Uh, all the Who's love Christmas, yet just outside of their beloved Whoville lives the Grinch, a nasty creature that hates Christmas and plots to steal it away from the Who's, whom he equally abhors. Yet a small child, Cindy Lou Who, decides to try befriending the Grinch. What's everybody's initial thoughts on the Grinch? Did we love it as a kid? We were kids when this came out. Yeah, I was about 10. 10 11 years old, probably. 
Uh, well, you know, uh, Josh, why don't you go first? Because you can tell us why you picked it. Yeah. Um, so I remember watching this movie. I'm pretty sure I remember seeing it in the theaters. Uh, something about it just... I remember seeing it in the theaters, and then I remember watching it a lot when it came out on DVD. And I think some of that was because of me watching it, and I think even more of it was because of my younger sister watching it a lot, too. So I just remember watching this version of the Grinch so much that there was for a period of time where I couldn't stand it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I've circled back to liking it again. So that's kind of why I picked it was I wanted to revisit it from the adult perspective. And also just because it is, I think one of the most recent movies you could arguably say has become a modern classic in the Christmas genre. Uh, I think it's like that and elf to me. So, and Jim Carrey, iconic. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of, there's a lot going for this movie at the time and even still today. So that's why I picked it. I still really, I, I, I still really liked it. I'm still in the period of, of not hating it anymore phase. There's a lot more to appreciate uh, that I know we're going to talk about later. There's some more adult humor in this that you catch as an adult. Uh, that Some of it, honestly, you probably catch as a child because <laughs> there's a few instances where it's pretty not subtle, but... There's also plenty of stuff to catch for adults, too. Um, and uh, that Jim Carrey performance is just one of his one of his best. Uh, he not just disappears into the makeup, but you he's, like, completely unrecognizable, mm-hmm. even, in, even in voice and everything. So I like The Grinch a lot. That's why I picked it. What do you guys think? Yeah, what about you, Garrett? Yeah, I was also a big fan. It's also one that I don't really watch very often. Um, in the same vein, uh, not necessarily of not liking it. It is more a matter of uh, I like anti-Christmas movies, and this one has always felt too much like Christmas. And so for me, that's less uh, fun whenever you're kind of a Grinch yourself sometimes. <laughs> so you don't necessarily want to watch those where... Uh, your heart grows two sizes at the end. You want to see the one where they're all on drugs or hopped up on uh, speed or whatever they do. <laughs> Just the night before. <laughs> Those are the ones that don't make David's Christmas list. <laughs> um, but I also, you know, this is definitely one that you saw in theaters with your family. Um, you know, we always made a point of going to see kind of a holiday movie, whether it was The Lord of the Rings. Whenever those were coming out, we would always go see those around the holiday time. Uh, we definitely went and saw this. And being hilarious jim carrey at this point in time is the peak of peak Mm -hmm. of humor of like comedian of physical comedy and what he brings to this character you know has really become again something of its own even overtaking you know the tv special which you know i don't think most people could tell you when airs on tv anymore uh and i think that they have taken this version to uh, become kind of the memorable one there's so many standout parts, Josh. You mentioned so much. You forgot to mention the, the real star of the show, which is Max the dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolute, just give the give the dog an Oscar for most uh, best supporting actor throughout the whole movie. I mean, he just makes you feel through this whole thing. Um, and and for me, that is one of the things that I have always remembered about this movie is that I just loved Max um, and everything else. You know, it's, it's a fun version, uh, very enjoyable. Uh, I think the world is really fun. I think Cindy Lou, who is a good character to uh, discuss and analyze. And I think that it's a fun to qu- a question to pose. is like, is the Grinch really the Grinch? 
or is it the Who's? Uh, for me, I feel like this was probably another babysitter movie situation where I did not see this like right when it came out, but I remember it being on and maybe being with other people when I was watching it. So like maybe like other you know like uh, other family was around or maybe it was uh, my babysitter. I can't really remember specifically, but I always remembered being kind of off put by it. I remember it just feeling um, almost almost borderline creepy at times because it is very like grungy and it's very like in Jim Carrey's very imposing as the Grinch in this movie. Yeah. And, and obviously it was funny. I mean, I, uh, we'll, we'll get more into my like general feelings about the movie in here in just a little bit, but my initial thoughts are that it's a very funny movie, but I don't love everything about it. And, that's kind of where I've always been with it. Like the other night I was laughing at times and there were times where I was just like, I don't like, I don't like this. Um, so it's kind of a, I kind of, uh, I'm of two minds with it. Um, I'm not going to like, you know, a little foreshadowing here. I'm not necessarily going to rate it poorly. And I don't think anybody who enjoys it is wrong necessarily. Um, but I just, uh, I don't know. I have some, I have some thoughts about it that may not be the most popular. So that's all I'll say uh, for now. But, uh, but yeah, I, I can recognize that it has a place in history. Um, I hope it's, it hasn't, I mean, I guess in some ways, in many ways it has outgrown the 1966 special, but, uh, for me, that's kind of, uh, that was the, that was sort of the, that was the, 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 the Grinch. Grinch. Yeah, that was the Grinch. And that was the thing that I, you know, in my head, I had to compare it to as a child. And I still do to this day. Uh, and I think there's pros and cons to each adaptation. Um, anyway, uh, that's my initial thought. Um, where, where do you, where do you want to start now? Well, so I, I was going to say before we go into some of our, uh, more in-depth discussions about the movie, I do think we should talk about the kind of impact that it had, especially with this being such a huge hit at the box office. Mm-hmm. Uh, will you give us like a little look at how this movie performed i believe it was one of the highest grossing movies of the year wasn't it it was in, in fact uh, i believe it was the number one movie of the year 2000 um to kind of to kind of skip to that part uh it was the number uh six movie worldwide in in 2000 uh bringing in 345 million overseas 260 of that was here in the united states where it would be the number one movie of the year just ahead of castaway mission impossible 2 gladiator and what women want um it did really good numbers opening weekend its opening weekend was november 17th of the year 2000 where it brought in uh, 55 million dollars beating out you're gonna love this list rugrats in paris um which brought in 22 million in its opening week uh charlie's angels fell to number to fell to the number three spot in its third weekend with 13 million the sixth day which is an arnold schwarzenegger movie uh, came in number four, it opening to three, 13 million. And then uh, the uh, Ben Affleck, Gwyneth Paltrow movie Bounce comes in at number five with 11.4. Uh, so four movies in the four new movies in the theaters that weekend. Um, the Grinch had a pretty minimal drop its following weekend, which was Thanksgiving weekend. So uh, almost 23 years ago this weekend, exactly 23 years ago this weekend. Um, 
it brought in it, bar- it just dropped five percent for its three day, but it brought in seventy three million over the full five day Thanksgiving weekend. So, um, really big numbers for a long time. It was the highest grossing um, Christmas film. It passing Home Alone. It has since been passed by the twenty eighteen Illumination Grinch for highest grossing Christmas or Christmas themed movie. And that's offensive. Um, Let's just get that. out It's kind of right crazy. Now. I I kind of feel offensive. like. I haven't watched that movie, and I feel like I kind of want to at this point, just so I can have the full comparison. But it's crazy to think one one. It's crazy to think that movie came out five years ago. Like that, I could have swore I saw that trailer for The Grinch and that little like "You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch," beatbox whatever that they had for that. Like I saw it at theaters hundreds of times, and now it's five years old. Like what happened? Anyway. That's it. You know, we've done a, only a couple other movies from the year 2000. It's a movie we need to visit more often. We did one of them just the other week. It was Meet the Parents. And then we did uh, Bedazzle and Mission Impossible 2. We will be soon revisiting the year 2000, don't you worry, for my Christmas movie. Um, but uh, but that's it. Let's get into, unless there's any questions, let's get into the deep discussion here. Yeah, absolutely. Cannot wait for that. Um, so... I think a good place to start here, uh, because David, you made note of this here on our on our shared uh, doc that we have to keep the show organized. That's right, we have an organized organized show. I mm-hmm. can't get the word out, but we organized this show for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you wanted to compare the movie versus the book, and I find that interesting uh, because the book is like three words. So <laughs> it's not three words. I'm wondering what uh, exactly you want to compare. Well, to this such a short book that it is. That it's a very it's, into a movie. It's not a very long book, maybe twenty five to thirty pages. I don't know uh, the exact mm-hmm. amount, um, but it's you know one of Doctor Seuss's most potentially his most well known book, aside from the Cat in the Hat, probably. Um, and you know the approach to get this made was that Doctor Seuss never wanted films made of his books, like feature films made of his books. And after his death in 1991, his wife, uh, you know, at that point finally decided to auction off the rights to make a some movies of some of the books. And one of those was How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And I think that it's very, it was a very difficult task to adapt the book because, like we said, it's not that long. And so this movie had to find a way, even the Christmas special from 66, I think it's like 35 minutes, maybe. So this had to find a way to cram in an hour of more content. And so what they did was they expanded the character of Cindy Lou Who, who is like not even really like a full character. They gave the Grinch an entire backstory. They made the Who's more unlikable, generally speaking, to the audience and not just the Grinch. You know, so they like like there's a lot that they had to add. And that for me that's where it you know it comes to falls it either falls apart or you really like it is in the grinch's expanded story um and so i think that's very you know like they they all there's so much even little things like whoville is not on a snowflake in the book like that's something that they just kind of like made for this and it's a change that i like because you have the who's of whoville here but you also have the who's of horton here's a who and they live on a speck of dust. So it kind of like feels natural that like Christmas Who's would live on a snowflake, right? It just kind of, it makes sense. Um, but 
I don't know. Have you guys, do you guys remember reading the Dr. Seuss book or do you remember ever looking at it? And what do you think about how they went about adapting this book for the big screen? Uh, yeah, I remember reading the book, of course. Um, and I think that what this movie did best was kind of reset people's idea of what the Grinch and Whoville look like. Uh, and it really did that by honing in hard on what some of those original drawings looked like. Um, I would say it matches the aesthetic of those Dr. Seuss designs pretty pretty well um and and then expands on it by showing us this whole wide world and people's houses and and all kinds of different people and the Grinch's house and all this stuff so um I don't really think I don't know this is not a movie where I go to start thinking about ways it compares to the book it really just it matches the look which is important and it matches the whole Dr. Seussian kind of whimsy and rhyme scheme. So I'm happy. I'm happy with it in that way. Mm. Yeah, I don't think most people will compare it to the book. I think most people will compare it to the show. Mm. And then again, I think that each artist gets to take a certain amount of creative liberties because, yeah, you are expanding it. And so, I mean, you could take it and say you, you do. If you're going to take a 10-minute read of a book, if you're generous... Uh, and expand it to an hour and a half long movie, you have to create something because it's not. Um, and so, you know, uh, I think that you have to give the Grinch a backstory. You have to give it a reason why you hate Christmas because in the in the book, it's enough to hate Christmas and then love it. Um, mm -hmm. But in a movie, it's not. Mm -hmm. And without the actual author there to make that source material change, Somebody has to just decide to create the story. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is on at each person's thing. And I don't necessarily think it's fair to compare it to each individual one because they are so different. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of where I, I stand on. I think that if they are able to bring the essence of it to life and get the actual message of it across, then I think that works. See, and for me, that's where it falters because I don't feel like it does a good job of that. Um, you talked about sort of the production design element, and that works. You know, like the Grinch, for the most part, cost like like makeup wise, that all looks good. The the things that are like you know like the the toys that are like these big horns that spin around, and the way the cars are designed, and everything like that, the who's themselves, that all looks good. To me, the movie is so like grim and faded, and it's so like two uh, thousands like it's like grunge punk in a weird way like everything just looks kind of dirty even though it's kind of supposed to be christmas and shiny everything just kind of looks so worn out and personally i feel like the movie i know garrett you probably i think based on what you put in the notes i think you really appreciate the the commentary on commercialism and i think it does a disservice to the story in my opinion uh what the original story goes with by making the Who's actually really commercialistic and really, uh, you know, obsessed with that. Because in that book, at the end, the Grinch believes, the Grinch's assumption is, oh, all they care about is the stuff. Only to, at the end, find out, hey, they don't care about the stuff at all. Christmas means more than this stuff that I assumed it was about the stuff, and I was wrong. But in this movie, no, they do really care about the stuff. That's all they care about. And it takes... 
Cindy Lou Who's, you know, uh, very dramatic, uh, you know, self-reflection to help them all come together to realize, hey, you know, like Christmas should be about family and all that stuff. And so the Who's aren't, I don't know, it, it, it probably works for most people. For me, I feel like the change in the Grinch should be at the way the way the way they present the story should be more about Cindy Lou Who coming back to find him and help him and invite him to Christmas more so than it should be about him hearing the the Who sing. Uh, I don't know if I'm explaining it as well as I want to, but that's just kind of where I felt like all the stuff they added just made the story more complicated than I feel like it really needed to be, and uh, I don't know. And it, it, like I said, it just feels so, I don't know, it, it feels so dirty compared to the book. Wow, I've never heard someone say so many wrong things in such <laughs> rapid succession. Oh. But that's okay. <laughs> no, not that many. But I do, I, 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 don't, I don't really know what you mean about it being so dirty. I don't see it as being what so What do you mean? Just this so movie dirty doesn't look washed out to you? Not really, I guess. I mean, no, not in a way that it stands out to me. Wow. It, like, literally stood out to me immediately how faded and colorless the whole thing was. Mm-hmm. That's the way I see things by That's default most scary, time, right? so I can't be of much help there. No. You know he's green, right? Green. <laughs> not brown or whatever you see. He's just like Kermit the Frog. Brown like Kermit. Um, interesting. Interesting. That, that I, I you feel it went it too cynical. on the time frame, too. I mean, you look at 2000s and what's happening is the blow up of online shopping mm-hmm. and commercialism. And that is kind of what everybody seems to have turned Christmas into at that point in mm-hmm. time. So I do think that for the time, that is what it needed to be is Christmas, uh, the way that it was presented. And again, going to one of the things that I had mentioned is that I kind of relate to it because looking at it from a Cindy Lou Who perspective, I remember being a kid thinking, man, you know, I hear people say that the spirit of the season is to love and to care for everybody else, but all I see is a Mm -hmm. bunch of idiots just driving around being pricks, only caring about getting their discounted stuff for their friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is what resonated this time as I was listening to Cindy Lou Who, and I was like, oh, hey, I felt that. That I see all of these people running around like crazy, not caring about someone like the Grinch who is alone, who was mistreated. And you're saying that the spirit of the season is to care about people, but all you care about is your stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that's the message that I got. No, and it's um, so that's totally it, the it message. I get that. Because, but yeah, it resonated to me because that is what I have always seen. I have heard one thing but seeing people act a completely different way. Mm -hmm. And so, to me, it made sense. It makes sense. I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. I'm just saying I don't think it's in spirit with the book, with the the story. I feel like they make the Who's, they make the Grinch's dislike of the Who's totally justified. And by doing that, you don't end up really thinking the Grinch should change. You want to root for the Grinch to be like, nah, yeah, destroy their stuff. They are jerks who only care about stuff. Uh, no, because I don't think it's that extreme on either end, really. Like, he was bullied as a kid, but what the what the change in the movie allows is for both the Who's and the Grinch to learn a positive lesson in the end yeah. versus just, like, 
pretending all Who's are good and that the Grinch is all evil. This way, there allows some nuance in there. Yeah, maybe. Let's them both learn. Yeah, because there's no, there's no black and white. I mean, yeah, people can claim to be good and, and holy and all of the, but then you mistreat people who are different, who are, do whatever, and then you outcast them, and then you make them the bad guy because you because they're different than you. Mm-hmm. You didn't give them a chance. Uh, that's that again. That res- that's a story that resonates with me. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, yeah. that's yeah, great. I would agree with that. I would agree with that too. Do you have any other notes you wanted to to throw out there on the uh, commercialism aspect, Garrett? <laughs> we, I mean, we already hit a big chunk of it. So, no, I mean that was the main thing. Is I was. I was kind of surprised this time at how much I really related with Cindy Lou and her analysis of Christmas and what yeah. what was presented versus what I'm hearing I'm supposed to see it as. Uh, you know, that was something that really bothered me as a kid and thus made me feel like such a Grinch mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be so magically, wonderfully fulfilled at this time of year. But man, everybody sure seems to be a jerk. <laughs> Everybody's just acting like a big old jerk. And I don't understand why. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that that element was fun to see in this of like, help me understand what this spirit of Christmas is supposed to be about if you're not actually living it. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, if you want to hear more of our conversation about commercialism, you can look up our So Many Santas episode about Jingle All the Way, which uh, <laughs> was also a big movie that wanted to be a commentary about commercialism, but all but just kind of went off the rails <laughs> in a lot of weird ways. Yeah, yeah. Commercialism and Christmas are a common theme that you'll see come together. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I, I mean, my my final word on it would be that I think I think I think it handles it well and i'm glad there's a commercialism aspect at play because it's so important for the audience of the movie um for in particular you know that's what people need to hear is is that it's not all about the gizmos and gadgets and toys and decorations and all that the grinch can steal it all but at the end of the day it's supposed to be about christmas you know how many party how many christmas parties are centered around some kind of random gift exchange mm-hmm. rather than oh, being yeah. an opportunity to just gather with your friends and care about them and, and be in the spirit. You know, you always have to make sure that you have a gift and exchange it in yeah. some way, shape, or form. Even if it's a $5 limit that you went to the dollar store and was like, what's the cheapest thing that someone might kind of like? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just also just some, some harmless fun. There's a, there, there's a difference between expressing your appreciation from for someone through gifts and and there and then also just consuming for the sake of consuming for uh i mean you know the grinch and i think this is another part for me where it undermines a little bit of the 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 change for the who's is that the grinch spells out you guys buy each other junk every year and it ends up on my mountain when you throw it away like that's the the level that they get to is just buying stuff for the sake of stuff that there's no, there's no meaning behind the gift. It's just, oh, well, you have to get this for this person, this for that person, this and this, this, right? And I think that's a good message, but I just kind of feel like the way, for me, they went about it just doesn't ring as well as it could. Um, so I, I, you know, I know what it's about. I know what it's supposed to be about, but I don't know. It, it just doesn't feel like, it feels like what they should have done is, I think, made the mayor more of a driving villain, like he's the one encouraging the commercialism maybe somehow he's tied, you know, cause it helps him. And then you have a central bad guy to kind of focus in, focus that rage in on. And 
all the other who's are just being manipulated and that they, they are actually maybe you know more good at heart and i just feel like this went a long way to just making all the who's just seem bad i don't know all right whatever i'm taking the talk i'm taking dr seuss too serious i was taking it taking too seriously yep, bro you are you're yeah, overthinking i don't know how it, you came out of that thinking all the who's look bad they do. <laughs> i just thought they looked like they normal not? people how do they because not? that's how people are <laughs> and i don't all think right. all people are bad <laughs> well don't watch uh, the grinch but um, that's not the but, only way yeah let's transition this to movie the other had had some adult themes uh this the grinch was also kind of freaky let's mm-hmm. be honest um, and so was Christine Baranski. Let's be super honest. <laughs> yes. Uh, what's going on with the adult humor in this movie? Is it too much at times, we think? At times, Or yeah. should the Grinch be freaky? You know... The Grinch should be freaky. There's a couple of... <laughs> there's a, well, but there's a level of, like, you know, you got to throw stuff in there for the kids. Or you got to throw stuff in there for the adults. You gotta, you're got you going to have them sit there for this kid-centered movie for an mm-hmm. hour and 45 minutes. You gotta you gotta pepper in some some jokes that kids won't get until they're a little bit older yeah. and revisit it, right? But a lot of this is like pretty in your face as far as like what they're going for, and and I do think that that is a little strange. Yeah, um, I'm not exactly sure how that fits in or why that fits in. I mean, again, you kind of get that like cringeworthy humor, and again, it's the 2000s, and so that's kind of where humor was at the time with the cringy and the sexy and the, Oh, this is edgy mm-hmm. kind of, you know, making that. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with a freaky Grinch. But this is a little bit freaky deaky. Yeah. Sex was big in the, in the nineties and early two thousands, you know, whether it is, um, the We've guy totally given up on that. Famously, what, 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 never again was it ever sex still so passe these days. Whether it's yeah. the, whether it's the, 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 the who saying, look, our baby's here. He looks just like your boss. Whether it's the key party going on at uh, at the Grinch's prospective adopters, um, or even uh, the Grinch slamming face first into uh, what is her name, Melissa May, uh, uh, what is, now I can't remember Martha May's uh, chest. Martha May. Uh, even as an eleven year old, I was like, oh my gosh, that's that's a bit aggressive. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a very there's a like a like a playful amount of raunch, which used to happen in a lot you know more often in kids movies but i don't know i don't apparently jim carrey there's a lot of outtakes of him saying like really adult stuff and he has in interviews said he kind of regrets how adult the movie was at times and ron howard has said he regrets it but he says there was a lot of push from the studio to make it more adult for this to be kind of a yeah a you know they want like making sexier ron They've wanted the teens and the adults to really, I don't know, come out for for this and not so much, you know, eight and nine-year-olds or whatever, whoever the target you think would be. Make them think about the Grinch. <laughs> Sexy oh, Grinch. What did you guys Big think? Was Grinch it too adult? Energy. BGE. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't really think so. I don't really think it crossed the line for me anywhere. Uh, it's funny enough. And it's like... I just don't care anymore. I think. <laughs> I think what I just can't be bothered to care. I, I'm, I'm like, really, the Grinch is that? Is, is that what you're upset about? Okay. Oh, That's my uh, take. What about the Grinch himself? What about yeah. Mr. Jim? What about Jimmy? Jimmy Carey? You know, again, I obviously the only person who could do it. Genius at the person. I feel like this is like perfect casting. But oh, yeah. I also feel like, what do you do? What does Jim Carrey do after this? 
because of well, Jim Carrey's so he wants. Jim Carrey's uh, so um, specific in this. Like once Jim Carrey does it, it can't you can't really put anybody else in your head to do it. The only other person at this time frame that I think would have worked in with this director with this direction would probably have been like a Robin Williams. But even then, it would be a completely different interpretation of how the Grinch would happen. Um, apparently, Eddie Murphy was considered at one point. Um, apparently, when the movie, because initially they wanted Tim Burton to direct, and at that point they had ideas for someone like a Tom Hanks or a Jack Nicholson, and that those would have been, those might have worked, but would again have been a completely different way of going with how the Grinch stole Christmas compared to this. I think. Um, obviously, they're looking for anybody who can do that weird smile. Where he's like the whole smile goes up his face. Um, so Jim Carrey's iconic. I mean, like I again, I know I've said a lot of things about the story, but the movie's genuinely funny. When when who knows how much of it exactly was ad lib? You know, there's that scene where he goes to pull the the sheet off of the table and all of the things stay, and he goes and knocks them all back over. That's so funny. I can't believe it wasn't supposed to happen. He was supposed to rip the sheet off and all the things fall off. And Jim Carrey is just so good at physical comedy that he accidentally pulled the sheet and nothing moved. And so he goes and knocks it over anyway. Uh, hilarious. The, Beautiful. My, one of my other favorite scenes is when he's going down his list of things that he has to do, his, his, his daily schedule. And he's like, 4 p.m., wallow in self-pity. 4.30, stare into the abyss. 5, solve world hunger. Tell no one. And then my favorite is Jazzercise and Dinner. This is actually my favorite. I say this to myself all the time. 6.30, Dinner With Me. I can't cancel that again. <laughs> <laughs> and then Wrestle With Myself, Loathing. I'm booked. I'm booked. I can't yeah, do it now. That scene in particular is very relatable, right? For sure. Especially after COVID. I mean, come on. Every adult in their 30s is thinking, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Check. Did it. Check, did it, still working on that world hunger, but everything mm-hmm. else, I did, did that today. That's why the Grinch is such a, such a relatable king. That's why we love yes. him. <laughs> that's why, that's why we, we all worship the Grinch now. That's why people want to be the Grinch. They want to yeah. be with the Grinch because mm-hmm. they already feel they are the Grinch. The Grinch really, you know, and, and, and uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Jim Carrey obviously throwing on a little bit of like Sean Connery voice with it. Uh, that kind of like, rrr, rrr, you know, it just... I don't, it, it's become a it's it's embedded in the minds of i think almost anybody who's in their 30s at least at this point i can't tell you how many tiktoks i've seen of women trying on either dresses or wedding dresses or something like that and they do the scene where he's in the later hosen and he's like hmm mm-hmm. oh ha. and then he's i'm not i'm not going in the walk off yes you know? another great scene it's too much that, uh, that and like you have to think that's that's Jim being Jim. Mm-hmm. I don't mean I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth and say it was improvised when it's not, but there's just a lot of those moments like that where you know it would be completely different with someone else. Um, yes. Who knows if it would be as memey as it is today? Very, very memeable. Mm-hmm. Still, mm-hmm. still yet. Yeah. Twenty three years later. Oh yeah, for sure. Um. um any, yeah. Uh, I just totally my brain froze. Oh. Um, what I was going to say, speaking of Jim Carrey, he had to, uh, according to him, endure literal torture for this movie. Mm-hmm. Through the makeup process, which was extremely extensive, it was done by um, multiple 
Academy Award winning makeup stylist Richard Baker, who um, had done a, a, I think he had won seven Oscars at that point for, for previous films, all for makeup. So he was one of the best in the game and designed all of the Whoville look, like the physical look, the Grinch's look. And uh, I, I saw an interview where Jim said the first day of makeup, it took him eight hours to get that on. And he went up to Ron Howard and was like, I can't do this. I'm, I, 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 I'm not going to do this movie if this is how it's going to be every day. Mm-hmm. And he said that they hired a guy who actually worked with um, former CIA operatives for enduring torture. Right. And taught him some techniques to get through the makeup process without losing his mind. Yeah. Wow. Well, apparently before that, he did quite lose his mind. Um, yes. The, the on-set make So Baker, like you said, did the design work. The on-set um, artist, uh, Kazuhiro, who is also Academy Award-winning makeup artist, he's worked on, um, you know, everything from uh, Churchill to uh, the movie of Life to Planet of the Apes and things like that. Um, it got really tough for the makeup artist and other people on the set because it drove Jim, the, the process drove Jim so crazy that he was, like, apparently a total a-hole to people on set. Uh, he kicked a hole through a trailer is what uh, what some people claim. Uh, and he said that he would just be awful uh, to people because it was a combination of makeup. Those contacts were incredibly uncomfortable for his eyes. Um, so he was just – he would just treat people horribly. They said that for the first few weeks, like you said, Josh, they only got a few hours worth of footage a day because they would, like, break for a few minutes and Jim would disappear, and then he'd come back, and Jim had ripped off all of the makeup and all of the fur and everything off of his body um, because it was driving him so crazy. So uh, the makeup artist actually left the product project for, like, a week. And, uh, you know, until, like, Jim promised that, you know, they made some kind of arrangement to, like, hey, we got to work this out because we can't have this sort of uh, uh, environment where you know, you're f- incredibly frustrated and taking it out on everybody else like this. So it was a, it, you know, and like a, 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 a Carrie later described it as a lesson in Zen. And I'm hopefully he took away the right lesson of, you know what, everybody's trying to do a job. Let's, you know, let's figure this out. But yeah, it, was, it sounded like it was a very tough process. Um, and, and unfortunately it doesn't come through because it's, he does such a great performance that it's hard to believe he was in that much frustration um, through it all. Yeah, I, I agree. It's I mean, it's hard to believe it's even him under all that most of the time. But it was kind of crazy to see the like effort that they went through for the makeup. And there was a lot of practical effects with this movie, makeup and set-wise. Mm-hmm. It was, um, at the time, I don't know if this record has been broken, but at the time, uh, the set for Whoville and the How the Grinch Stole Christmas was the biggest set ever built on the Universal Studios lot. Uh, even still today, it's part of the Universal Studios tour, if you go on it. Uh, Garrett, I don't know if you remember, we went on that several years ago. Uh, yeah. And, uh, Aaron, Andrew. And you do yeah. go through part of Whoville that they say is part of the set that was used, and they really built all that. Like... Um, most of the like blue screen stuff is is like um, exterior backgrounds, um, horizon stuff like that. I watched a little making of on YouTube. I don't just know all this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
yeah, it's just really cool to see that be so... Uh, they put so much effort into it that it became one of the biggest sets that had ever been built in the studio. And uh, it's part of it still standing today. And I think how Ron Howard and uh, the design team made Whoville come to life is also part of why this movie has such a lasting legacy. I think it's very easy to kind of disappear to, even if David thinks it's dirty. <laughs> well, you know, they had a choice. They 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 had a clear vision, and they executed. You know yeah. whether or not I think the vision looks good. You know looks good at times is 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 irrelevant because they executed it. It looked. You know they created an iconic look, especially the Grinch design, and the set design was big, and it was, uh, you know, like you felt like that town existed. Um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really it's an, it's an impressive amount of work. I wish that more movies today would commit to this level of real production design. Stop relying on the green screen, yeah. Marvel. You know, right. use, it where, too, like, where, use it where it's necessary, but don't use it all the time. Right. right. Like, I like the idea of using it for horizons and, and the background stuff, but if you could, the more the more actual set pieces you can build, I think the better. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I don't know where all of this production budget money is going. Yeah, stop just cranking keep spending out all the less. ranking <laughs> movies and maybe less movies, better quality. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway... That's, that's, again, brings back commercialism, I think, somehow. (laughs) Um, You know what, though? As we we ease out of this uh, conversation, I wanted to bring up, Dave, Universal's really kind of embraced the Grinch more so, I think, in recent years because of how, as millennials have aged into adulthood, he's become an even more relatable character. And have you guys seen the Meet the Grinch experience that they have at Universal Studios now? I think I've seen Uh, one clip. So I've I've gotten on a side of Grinch talk, I guess, because <laughs> I've been served several of these lately. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the holidays, so I'm sure they're doing it now. But there is a, uh, you know, photo op style experience where you can wait in line at Universal Studios and meet the Grinch. And it's a guy in a pretty good looking Grinch suit from the time. He's an actor, so it's, it's like a Disney character type situation where mm-hmm. he has fully embodied the Grinch. And he is hysterical he's clearly modeled after jim carrey's grinch he's like very politely roasting them like effortlessly and just being hilarious and i just i just love that the grinch is still around in that form i think um i mean again it goes back to how jim carrey made it his own uh to make his version of the grinch the the definitive one it's really when you think about the leg like jim carrey specifically um, he crafted a version of the character that is very different than, say, the, uh, the the animated special, right? Whereas that Grinch was just very... I mean, that Grinch was almost like... Just like Shakespearean and mean and just like, I must stop this from coming, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas this Grinch, yeah, he's, a, he's an insult comic. You know, he's, he's fun, just laying yeah. it down and, hurt, you know, being mean to people and uh, got cracks, you know, jokes, jokes, jokes. It's kind of interesting too that Jim Carrey, the Grinch is is a different version of you know Scrooge of Ebenezer Scrooge is just someone who doesn't like Christmas by the end loves Christmas right becomes the biggest Christmas celebrator of all. But neither of them neither of them benefit from the end of their story because people only think about the Grinch and Scrooge as who they are at the beginning. Like nobody thinks about the fact that they change by the end. They always use Scrooge and Grinch to meet people who hate Christmas. Um, but he's played both of them. And one he put his, you know, his he the one he Jim Carified, and the other one 
he really played, I think, a very accurate portrayal of, uh, of of Ebenezer Scrooge in his version of A Christmas Carol as well. So it's just kind of interesting that he has put his stamp on the two Christmas haters, uh, uh, at least two of the biggest Christmas haters out there. That's true. That is a good point. I never didn't even put those two together. That he he does own the Christmas villain market now. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, that I think is going to wrap up our discussion portion of how the Grinch stole Christmas. Oh. Now we're going to play letterbox game. Letterbox game. And Where as the we three get of us in... are going to guess yeah. what we think the letterbox community has scored this movie on average on a zero to five scale. We're going to go through and read some of the most popular reviews of the movie so we can kind of get a taste of what people are saying about The Grinch on Letterboxd. We've got five stars. Ron Howard's best film. Can you think of anything? Can you think of something better? I cannot. Uh, Apollo 13. Um, three and a half star. No, I don't want to read that one, actually. <laughs> um, three stars. Right. If my future kids ever ask me who Baby Yoda is, I'm going to show them Baby Grinch instead. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, five stars. Why does the mayor of Whoville look like Mitt Romney? <laughs> and then... Um, I, I thought they were going to say Jeffrey Tambor, and that was going to make me laugh harder. Three and a half stars. The fact that the Grinch sometimes wears clothes makes it more disturbing that he spends most of the movie butt-ass naked. <laughs> so, a little, little, little all over the place there. What do we think? Oh, uh... Garrett, you and Josh are actually tied on most on, on total wins, but Josh still has the lead in points because uh, he's had okay. a few more direct hits. So, uh, Garrett, you still go first. Oh. Confuse me there. I thought I thought I was doing better. I'm still last. No. You, you, that was just a nice way of saying I'm last. Yeah, come on. He still now got you. just hit me with the bad. He still news got first. you by points. And as we close in on the end of the year, we are coming close to who will take home the letterbox trophy. And mm. or will it stay with me for another glorious year? Oh, that's a good point. You know, the three stars there. That's a good point. I, I don't know. Uh, this is a toughie. I feel like it's got such a classic, uh, you know, high quality vibe. But I also know Letterboxd a little critical sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm going to go with a 3.2. Okay, 3.2, 3.2. Um, I'm going to go a little higher than that. I'm sure 3.6. Oh, that's where I was going to go. That's where I was going to go. Dang. Because, you know, the thing is, this also was kind of not loved critically at the time it was released. But I don't know if that is true on Letterboxd. Because Letterbox obviously you you looking at the wrong thing. You always looking at the critic score. Well, I'm always just of the fans. Letterbox is of the fans. I always just look up reviews from the time. Is what I do. I look up like uh, 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 read uh, uh, Ebert and Roper, you know, or Siskel. I can't remember if Siskel was alive at this point. He probably was, but uh, you know, and I look up like the LA Times has like all their stuff archived from back then. Um, Josh took my answer, which was 3.6. I feel like Letterbox loves it, but I feel like ah, 3.5. If I get a direct 3. hit 5, here. Okay. Oh, 3.5. Did 3. I freeze? Um, no, I think I just thought you did. Uh, <laughs> 3.5. We got 3.6 for me and 
what would you say? 3.2, Dave, or Garrett? 3.2. Yeah. Okay. Let's see here what we're going to have. Okay, we do not have a um, direct hit. Oh, no. Which is good for Garrett and me, at least because it prevents David from getting two. If I had, had a direct hit, it'd be over. It would be over. But uh, it is a 3.4, oh. which means David is going to get the point for being Dang. one point. Point one closer, yeah. One point off. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's my first one since Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I've been on a drought for a while here. Uh, but there are still four, uh, three movies left in the year. Uh, Josh, you trail me by, um, you trail me by three points. Garrett trails by five. So mm. it's. It, I'm almost mathematically eliminated. Almost a couple of direct hits though, and you could take it. Eliminated from contention. So it's within uh, it's within distance. It's like it's coming okay. down to the wire here, you guys. Three point five four. We, so how do we feel about that? We just can't we can't let him win anymore, is what it has to be. I know. Uh, all right, well uh, on that note. Three point four is where I land. I was at three point five. Okay. I just thought, you know, I don't know. You, I usually guess high. So you guys know what the rotten tomatoes is? I do. It's because I looked just in case we needed a tiebreaker. I believe it's a forty nine percent, isn't it? It, it was, and the audience was 58. So it's actually kind of uh, both not that loved. Surprisingly polarizing, the, the How the Grinch Stole Christmas, then. Right. Apparently. Apparently. So, uh, okay. Uh, Garrett says he's going to give it a three and a half. David, what are you going to give this movie? Oh, well, that's surprising. Because um, I'm still going to give it a four, because mm. it's genuinely very funny. Mm. Um, and my criticisms of the adaptation from the book aside it's still funny enough that it elevates for me i still remember these lines i still say them to myself so uh yeah i'm gonna go four stars you know if you're enjoying christmas you can't do much better yeah yeah um i'm also gonna give it four stars it's a great movie I actually looked at my letterbox and the last time I watched it I gave it three so I'm improving my score from last time. Mm. I think it's a four star movie. Um, first first so many Santas of the year now under our belt and we've got more coming up as we reveal our picks. Um, well we already revealed them if you go listen to that whole episode. Uh, but we'll be back next week with a whole new so many Santas pick and again, don't forget to check out um, our social media. Check out our Instagram at So Many Sequels Pod. We're going to be posting some polls there for you to vote on the fan pick of the month. And also um, leave your comments in our Instagram posts or in our DMs, on our YouTube uh, videos. Let us know what you want us to watch uh, for our, Chris- our big Christmas episode. And uh, we will tally all those up. And we're going to do the fan pick this month. Uh, we did it for So Many Scares in October, and uh, we had fun with it. So I'm excited to do it again. Are you guys? Oh, definitely. Definitely excited. Okay, well, that does it for us. Again, find us online at so many sequels.com. You can find links to our social media accounts there, as well as all of our past episodes. Subscribe to the show in your podcasting app of choice. We're on pretty much all of them. And uh, be sure to check out our YouTube channel if you haven't done that yet. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, we're kind of trying to expand a little bit, giving it a little more love and attention. Uh, we're very excited to have 100 subscribers now, so that's very cool. Uh, if you can get us up to uh, 112 million, no, that would be cool though. 
if you get us if you could help us get a few more at least before the end of the year we would certainly appreciate that Definitely. and uh if you really want to support the show this is my last plug um patreon.com slash so many sequels you can sign up there and get access to our discord to talk with us and other movie fans about what movies and tv shows you're watching so do all that we'll see you guys next time bye <laughs>